This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you ideas and strategies for how to be happier. This week we'll talk about designing your summer and about the question, are you the difficult one? I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who is also now the co-host of another show, Happier in Hollywood. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yes, Gretchen, uh, Sarah and I have launched our show, Happier in Hollywood. We are loving it. It's so fun. And thank you, everyone, for listening and emailing us. And rating and reviewing and subscribing. We always <laughs> have to say that. Yes, please, please. It's a big please. help for a new show because it helps other listeners sort of get interested. So, Elizabeth, you know, what's coming up? Like, what do people have to look forward to in the next episode? Well, I've got a tease, Gretch, that tomorrow we are talking about bullet journals. Ooh. So I hope that our listeners tune in for that because, you know, bullet journals are a hot topic right now. And uh, Sarah is a devotee, so we have a lot to say about it. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. And we have been getting so many fantastic haiku, because last week in episode 117, we talked about uh, Try This at Home of writing a haiku, and we have our fabulous Twitter hashtag, Happier Haiku, and I want to read just one. There have been so many great ones, and here's a great one that came from Jennifer. Folding and folding, but my baby wants playtime. The laundry must wait. And then there's an adorable picture of her baby. Um, So thank you, everyone, who's been sending in these haiku. Yeah, I love them. And it's just such a bright spot in the day anytime I sort of check Twitter and see those. So everyone keep writing your haiku. This is a a good trend. Yes, yes. It's a lot of fun. it's 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 a great way to kind of engage with your day. And speaking of listener engagement, we are gearing up for our next very special episode. As always, our 10th episodes are always very special episodes. And this 
very special episode 120, is going to be dedicated to the four tendencies. That's the personality framework that I created that divides everybody into upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. I'm an upholder. Elizabeth's an obliger. What are you? What are your questions about the four tendencies? We are going to uh, do a whole episode that's just Q&A around the four tendencies. Yeah, that'll be great because we get so many questions um, from people saying, I'm a rebel. How can I get myself to do X, Y, or Z? So all the answers will be revealed <laughs> in a very special episode. Yes. yes. And Elizabeth, this week our Try This at Home tip is to design your summer. And we have talked about this a couple of times. Yes. Way back in uh, August of 2015, in episode 27, Gretch, you gave yourself a demerit for not really having a summer. Yeah, I was very struck by something that uh, novelist and essayist Robertson Davies wrote. He wrote, every man makes his own summer. The season has no character of its own unless one is a farmer with a professional concern for the weather. Circumstances have not allowed me to make a good summer for myself this year. My summer has been overcast by my own heaviness of spirit. I have not had any adventures, and adventures are what make a summer. And ever since reading that and giving myself a demerit for that, I've been very focused on this idea of designing a summer. And last June in episode 67, we talked about designing a summer. Yeah, and you um, you did design your summer, and you had lunch with people. That was kind of your big summer plan, and you had a writing project. Yeah, tried to make a lunch date every day, which ended up being like three times a week. But that's a lot more than I would usually have. And so I reconnected with a lot of people. And I wrote my book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, which is written. And But my agent was like, we have to focus on the Four Tendencies book. So like put that in a drawer. And then once the Four Tendencies book is all locked down and in place, then we can worry about dealing with Outer Order, Inner Calm. So that is coming. But this year, I want to write about my color obsession. Mm. I'm obsessed with color. Mm -hmm. Um, And we got a really interesting email from a listener who is also thinking about designing her summer. Yes. Catherine wrote, last summer, you talked about designing your summer, and I am trying to figure out how to do that. I am a teacher, and I will be off for summer in a few weeks. I have some fun trips planned, but I want to be productive when I am home. I'm an artist and trying to start a side hustle. I want to create a website and start a shop this summer. I cannot figure out if I'm a rebel or an obliger, but either way, I cannot follow a schedule that I make myself ever. I don't have kids, so my time is pretty open. Any advice? Hmm, interesting. Well, I think this is a great, it's interesting she's talking about Side Hustle because we talked about that a couple episodes ago and she can listen to the Side Hustle School podcast to get ideas for what she wants to do. But the one thing I would say is it's really important here to know if she's a rebel or an obliger because the kinds of things yeah, that you... big difference. Big difference. For an obliger, the answer is always outer accountability. She has to have outer accountability. So maybe even have some clients, like line up some people, even if they're not paying you. Say to people, Mm -hmm. I'm going to donate five of my art for you to use in some way, or I'm going to give this to you. You can go on my website and I'll give it to you for free. Create some kind of client or customer, somebody who's waiting for it. Or maybe you say to somebody else like, oh, I'll sell your stuff on my site too. So they're depending on you. You need some kind of accountability. Or work with a coach Or you can go to the Better app, my app, where um, you can form an accountability group with other people who are trying to do something similar and everybody hold each other accountable. Pair up with a friend, 
tell your if you have a, somebody else in your life say, well, when I'm working on this, you're working on that, and we'll I'll check on you and you'll check on me. There's just a million ways to build outer accountability. But if she's an obliger, that's what she needs to put into place this summer if she wants to have that up and running by the time the summer is over. Yeah, I mean, given that she's an artist, it does seem like she might have a friend who's an artist who's also interested in doing this as a side hustle, and they could pair together to work on it. That that does seem like it would work well. And and maybe like you're each opening up your own shop, but it's like, oh, I'm doing this, you're doing this, like we're going to keep tabs on each other and try to keep each other going. Yes, exactly. But if you're a rebel, remember, rebels can act they they usually act because of identity or because of choice. So you might say to yourself, I'm an artist. I want to put my work out into the world. I want to show what's what I can do and and my view and my vision. Um, I choose to create the mechanisms that are going to allow me to connect with more people. I choose to do the things that are going to allow me to support myself through my art. That's what I want. This is what I choose for myself. I'm going to do all these things because they support my choices. This is who I am. If you look at me, you're like, she's she's an artist. She's got a website. She's she's putting her work out into the world. She's making money from her work. She values it. She's getting value from it. This is a way to take myself to the larger audience who can appreciate what I'm doing. So you always want to tie it into this idea of this is the kind of person that I am. And this is what I choose to do because this is what I want. And when rebels focus on that, they can do anything they want to do. Then they are crazy focused. But when when they have that feeling like this is what I'm supposed to do, this is what I have to do, this is what I said I would do, this is what's on my to-do list, then they have that spirit of resistance. So the thing about an obliger rebel, you really kind of have to figure out which way is going to move you the most because they're very, very different approaches. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, you know, that this is in the context of summer, because summer is a time you think about relaxing, going to the beach, not working, and sort of putting in a framework of, oh, I'm going to start a business in the summer is sort of, you know, counterintuitive to summer, um, which almost makes me think maybe she's a rebel. (laughs) But I like that idea that it's like summer doesn't have to be going to the beach. It's just a period of time. She's wants to use that period of time to, you know, do something, you know, that would actually make money. Well, and I think that's an excellent point, because one of the things about the summer is it doesn't have to be the summer months. It's just the idea of some period of time is set aside as special. And maybe it has different possibilities or different options. And so you want to take make the most of it. And we all have that feeling of looking back at like a vacation or a period of time or a year or whatever and thinking, wow, look at what I accomplished in that time. And it feels so good. And then there's also that feeling of, uh, wow, you know, looking in advance, I thought I was going to get all this stuff done. And now none of it got done. And I just feel like I frittered that time away. And that's such a bad feeling. So I think designing your summer is about, it's not necessarily, as you say, about relaxation or work. It's about how do you design the time to get it to be what you want it to be? Because like Elizabeth, your summer is not the summer, right? Your time of kind of lightened workload is not the summer. Right. Summer for us is like usually one of our busiest times. It's almost like fall for other people. It's when shows start um, for the season. So like that's like going back to school time for us. Yeah. Um, my summer would usually be more of April, May. This year, we didn't have a summer um, because we were actually doing something off cycle, a pilot <laughs> off, or pilot script off cycle. So um, I have to say, I am kind of lamenting and mourning mm. not having had a summer. I feel like 
I'm going to miss that. You just worked straight through it. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't, usually I go through a period of time where I'm hiking four days a week and seeing friends for lunch and doing all these things that, to, I mean, it's hiatus is what we call it, summer hiatus. Um, and we didn't have that this year. So, um, but, you know, don't treat a gift like a burden. It's great that we were doing what we were doing <laughs> in this project we love. But I did not get a summer this year. So we'll see if that affects me, you know, in a few months if I'm like going Looney Tunes. Um, but I, I really, really envy people who do have a summer. Like people are like, oh, we're heading to Maine for the summer. You know, like it, it seems so uh, romantic and magical to like, you know, actually have this time that's just totally special and different. Well, and I think that's the thing about Design Your Summer one part of the idea is to have the time feel special and sort of more rich and distinct so that it's not just all time is just is fungible and running into each other, but there's something special about this period. Just sort of like the holiday period, there's sort of a special flavor and atmosphere to the holiday mm -hmm, period. Exactly. So does the summer have its own flavor or does it just feel indis like indistinguishable from the other parts? It, then life doesn't feel as rich. And then it's also this idea of to use your time productively. And maybe maybe to use it productively means it's to goof off and loaf and sleep late and, you know, whatever. But you want it, whatever for you would make the time well spent. But so so given that your summer is a busy period, but then the, kind of the whole world is going through summer. Do you do things in your life to try to give it a summer feel, even though for you it's kind of the back to school workload? We do. Like, for instance, um, we belong to a pool and they have this thing called Tasty Tuesday every <laughs> Tuesday in the summer, which is like they have a kid's buffet at the pool and a DJ and games and a bouncy house from, you know, like five to eight o'clock or something. And I do try in the summer to take Jack to that on Tuesdays because then I sort of at least feel like I'm getting that that pool vibe. Yeah. He loves it. And it, it feels like, okay, the work day is over. Now I'm doing something that I would normally, you know, during the year not be obviously at the pool, you know, eating corn dogs on a Tuesday <laughs> night. So I do that. And that, that definitely gives us that, you know, that feeling. Um, and I'm going to try to see if there are other things I can do this year because, uh, you know, I don't, I also want Jack to feel like it's a summer. Obviously he'll be out of school, but I don't, I want him to feel like we're engaged with his summer as well. Yeah. Yeah. So let us know if you do try this at home and what you've done in the past or what you're thinking about doing this year to design your summer. Because it really is one of these things where with a little bit of forethought and planning about what you want your summer to be like, you can really, I think, take some very easy, manageable steps to get the summer, the summer vibe that you want. Uh, so let us know on Twitter, Facebook, email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. This is happiercast.com slash 118 for anything related to this episode. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team 
and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. So this is a great happiness hack that comes from Simon. Yeah, he says, after listening to your podcast discussing podcasts and tripod, I had this idea for a podcast club, just like a book club, but for podcasts. I belong to a book club and we've tried to expand the membership, but so many people say they don't have time to read. But lots of people listen to podcasts in bed or commuting on the train or in the car. So I thought, what about a podcast club? It would work the same as a book club. We would all get together and agree to a podcast, maybe more than one, that we would listen to and discuss at the next meeting. We could discuss both the podcast itself, the presenters, format, tone, etc., and the topics slash content of the podcast. It also gets around one of the problems with book clubs, which is trying to find a book that nobody has read before. With a podcast, it doesn't matter if you have already listened to it because there's always something new. Well, you know, I think this is a great idea because as one thing that I talk about all the time is how... For happiness, it's so important to have enduring, intimate relationships. And one of the problems with relationships is that it's it takes a lot of time and energy. And so a way to get around that is to form a group, to join a group of people, because then it's like you meet regularly. You meet you, It's a lot of people at once. If you miss one time, that's okay, because everybody will meet again. There's less logistics because you're not making like one-on-one coffee dates. You're seeing a bunch of people at once. And typically, one thing a lot of people do is form book groups, but book groups don't work for everybody because not everybody has the time or the inclination to read a book. And I'm always saying to people, it doesn't have to be a book. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a great idea because it gives you that reason to get together and it gives you something to talk about to kind of focus your attention and the kind of the fun and the excitement of 
engaging with new things that are enjoyable or, or maybe fun to criticize. Sometimes it's more fun to criticize things. Yeah. So I think this is a fantastic suggestion. Yeah, you know, Gretchen, I actually joined a um, online, a Facebook podcast club. Ooh. The New York Times has a podcast club on Facebook, and I joined that. And that's fun because you hear about different podcasts you wouldn't necessarily necessarily hear about, and people sort of say, "Oh, what be good? What would be a good podcast about this or that?" Um, and so I just like seeing what everybody's saying about different podcasts. But they do pick one a week to focus on. Mm-hmm. I joined because you told me about it, Elizabeth. And I will put a link to that in the show notes for one one eight. If anybody else wants to join, I think it's a great idea. And also what I love about this idea is it's very flexible because as he says, you could pick a different podcast every week. So we're trying this, we're trying that, like whatever, you know, catches people's attention. Or if you felt like it, you could also commit to one podcast and listen to it together for a period of time. Alyssa, do you remember how our former producer, Henry Malofsky, was part of Serial and Serial, where they would all all these podcast people would get together and listen to Serial and eat breakfast cereal and then talk about it. And I thought that was just like the funnest idea. And I think this is great, too, because it's something that's pretty easy for people to fit in their day. So they don't have any kind of Sometimes I think with book groups, people feel bad because yeah. they haven't kept up. But this, you can listen to the podcast on the way to read it and be caught up. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So thank you, Simon. That is a terrific idea, a great way um, to engage with other people. You hear great new content and no guilt. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for a Know Yourself Better. Yes, and this Know Yourself Better was inspired by the work of Bob Sutton. And Bob Sutton is a professor at Stanford Business School, and he's also co-founder of the D School there. And I'm a big fan of his books. And by the way, these books have somewhat salty titles, so you'll hear some bleeping in a second. I love his book, The No Apple Rule, and his forthcoming book, The Apple Survival Guide, which is coming out in September. And what I love about these books is they're about difficult people and how do you deal with difficult people. And reading his books made me think about the question, the know yourself better question of, are you the difficult one? Because I think one of the things about being a difficult person is that often we don't know that we're the difficult one. You know, like in our own mind, everything we do seems to make sense and be justified. We don't feel like we're the problem. But then, but maybe everybody else around us would think, oh, no, that one, that's the person who's difficult. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of develop some questions about that. Yeah, I do. I think that in, certainly in Hollywood, Gretchen is very common. That <laughs> someone thinks they're, you know, easy peasy, nice and breezy. And um, in fact, they are the trouble spot. Isn't that interesting? I think it's just, it's hard to see ourselves. So these are some questions to ponder. It doesn't, if you answer some yes, it doesn't necessarily mean you're the difficult one. But I think they're interesting to ponder and maybe would give a clue to help you know yourself better. This applies to family members to coworkers, any group of people who are trying to deal with each other. When you do something generous for other people, do you think it only right that your generosity will allow you to make decisions for them or direct their actions? Do you often find that when you offer to do something nice for people, they seem ungrateful or uncooperative? For example, you offer to host Thanksgiving dinner, but no one appreciates that. Do you think it's important to express your true feelings and views authentically, even if that means upsetting other people? Do you find that people seem resentful and angry when you offer helpful criticism or advice? Do you enjoy a good fight? 
Do you often find yourself saying defensively, it was just a joke? Along the same lines, do you find yourself remarking on how other people don't have a sense of humor or can't laugh at a little teasing? (laughs) This is very common. (laughs) Yes. Do people tend to gang up on you? Uh, When you're arguing one side, everyone takes the other side. Or when one person criticizes you, everyone else chimes in. Do you find it funny to see other people squirm? Do you think it's useful to point out other people's mistakes, areas of incompetence, or previous track records of failure? So I don't think that these are, you know, in some situations, certain things make sense or, you know, these are just ideas to think about. These are just red flags to consider because if you answer yes to a lot of them or something really seems extremely true for you, it could be a red flag that you are a difficult one. Yeah. One of the ones that really resonates with me is you feel the need to sort of state your truth and be authentic, even if it, you know, hurts other people's feelings. I think a lot of people hide behind the truth um, as a way of being a jerk. <laughs> and so that's one that that really resonates with me, because I think I've been guilty of that in the past. I don't think I do that anymore. But I think when I was younger, I did that. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the skills that you learn with time and experience is how to be truthful and authentic, but also in a way that's constructive and that isn't doesn't damage other people or that doesn't... Um, Right, Leslie, you you're not hiding behind the idea of like, well, I'm just telling my true, honest opinion, and therefore I'm not responsible for kind of like the collateral damage that's being created by that. One of the things I really see a lot is that it was just a joke. Yes. I mean, you and I, Elizabeth, have talked about how in our family there was no teasing permitted. You were just not allowed to tease. And at the time, I really thought, oh, my sarcasm is so hilarious. And, you know, we, mm-hmm. and, 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 but now as an adult and as a parent, I really see that. A lot of times teasing, it isn't funny. Um, the test of, what, of whether something's funny is like, does the person you're saying it to find it funny? The fact that you find it funny doesn't mean it's funny. It's like, does your audience find it funny? And there's research that shows that there's a real disconnect with how teasing is perceived. And then if you ask people who are teasing, how, what, what is your intention? They think they're being fun and, and warm hearted and it's kind of a light thing. But then you ask the people who are the target of the teasing, how do you perceive it? And they perceive it to be far more negative. So even if in your heart you think, oh, this is fun and lighthearted, if you see that people are not responding in that way, it's not their fault. It's your fault. It's, it's, you know, you're putting that out there and it, it's, not, it's not landing the way that you think it is. Yeah. And I would say to people who are difficult people, um, some of our listeners must be difficult people out there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think if you could change some of your behavior, like you'll feel better. Like, I don't think it can feel very nice to be a difficult person because it does cause strife right in your life. Yeah. I think it's worth trying to adjust some of your behavior to have a little more harmony. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, yeah, if you constantly in that conflict and you don't understand how what's triggering it, then you don't know how to how you might be able to change the dynamic. And one of the things, you know, that I've really seen with the study of happiness is the only person that you can change is yourself. 
But when you change, a relationship changes. And so by changing yourself, you can change the atmosphere that you live in or your relationships with other people. And so if you feel like, oh, like, why are all these people being such big jerks all the time? Right. Ooh, maybe maybe you're the jerk. <laughs> or maybe if you acted differently, they would act differently. At the same time, what I also like about these questions is that it kind of can help you recognize a difficult person in your life. So like if you're in an office, for instance, or like you're a mom at school and there's, you know, it's difficult moms, even by recognizing so these qualities in another person, you can sort of say, ah, they're just a difficult person. Yes. <laughs> this is how they're going to act. Yeah. Their humor is not going to sit well with me. Right. Like they're going to be saying things that I think are inappropriate, et cetera, et cetera. And then you can sort of just put them in a little box and hopefully not be as personally affected yes. by their behavior because you just see, oh, that's who they are. That's what they do to everyone. Yes. It's not me. It's just who they are. And that's probably the biggest benefit of even recognizing all of this is sort of defensive. Right, right, right. Because you think because you don't you don't have to take it personally. It's like they're just like this with everyone. Um, and I do think, you know, as a know yourself better question you know, we always put ourselves in the greatest light. And there's all this research showing like, you know, everybody thinks that they're the, one of the best drivers. Everybody thinks they have an excellent sense of humor. And so it's hard to recognize sometimes when we have an area where we're not doing so well. So I think anytime there's a question that can kind of help illuminate these dark corners of our natures, it can be really helpful. And it's interesting. I will be very curious to hear if listeners have any questions that they would add that they think would help somebody mm. to know themselves better, identify themselves as a difficult person, or if there's questions here that they think don't fit this or any reflections they have on, on dealing with difficult people know and, and recognizing yeah. if you're a difficult person. Yes. Most of all, I'd love to hear from anyone who is a difficult person. Yes, absolutely. And, and what they have to say. Absolutely. I don't know if they're going to come forward, but it'll be interesting to see if they do. Yes, please do. Get in touch. And now it's time for a listener question. One way to reach us is to leave a voicemail question at 774-277-9336 or easier to remember, 77-HAPPY-336. Or you can email us a voice memo at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or email us there. This week's uh, listener question comes from Katie. She says, today I'm writing because I want to overcome my underbuyer tendencies. I really enjoy the little luxuries, but rarely let myself indulge in buying them. They aren't necessarily extravagant. Fresh fruit, a good pair of flats, a nice hairbrush, a soft set of sheets, but I often hesitate to buy because I am such an underbuyer. A little voice pops into my head saying that they are a waste of money or that I don't need stuff to make me happy. I think if I could overcome this bias, then it would truly add to my personal happiness. I really identify with Katie's question because I am a hardcore underbuyer and I know exactly what she's talking about. Yes, you are an underbuyer. I'm I think I might kind of be an underbuyer too. Yeah. Um I don't know if you realize that, but I do I think have that tendency to if it's a question of buy or don't buy, I tend to not buy. I think you're an underbuyer. Um wait, so the the difference between underbuyer and overbuyers and some people are just in the middle and they're sort of neither over underbuyers or overbuyers is that underbuyers just don't like to buy and they will go out of their way not to buy. And so as a result, they're often stressed because they don't have the things that they need. Like, oh, 
I'm not going to buy mittens until it's February. Mm -hmm. And then the stores don't have mittens anymore. And we make a lot of sort of like late night runs to the drugstore because we didn't go ahead and buy the toilet paper that we needed. And a lot of times underbuyers kind of are surrounded by things that are shabby or don't really work or aren't exactly suitable. Like I, it took me a long time to be able to buy like facial tissue because I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to blow my nose on toilet paper. Why do I need this like specialized product? (laughs) Now, overbuyers, which we are not, but they're on the other end. They they tend to overbuy, so they will buy things like, oh, I'm going on a trip, so I need these 10 things. So I need to go on all these errands to buy all these things, or I need to lay in a lot of stores. So I'm going to buy, you know, five years supply of paper towels, but now I have to store those somewhere. Or I have a friend who's an overbuyer, and she bought all these winter clothes for her newborn baby, but then her baby was too big for the clothes by the time winter right. came, and so then she had to, like, find somebody to give all these clothes to. And so they often have trouble with storage. Sometimes they can't find what they have. They feel like they have to do a lot of errands. And there is there is sometimes, like, waste and clutter that's created by their overbuying because, like, I have a friend who will always buy things like, oh, this would make a great gift. For whom? She doesn't even know. She's just like, oh, it's a good deal. It's a great gift. I'll buy it. And then she's got to deal with it and remember that she has it. And so it's just she has all this stuff. And if you're a, I mean, if you're enough of an overbuyer, it can have a real financial impact. Yes. Yes. That is the thing. That is that is the extra downside of overbuying is that there is the money that's spent. But so Katie's pointing out a, a problem with being an underbuyer. And I absolutely know this, which is there's just this reluctance to buy. Even though you sort of, at least I feel this way, where even though I intellectually know that my life would be richer and more pleasant and that I would actually use something, I just don't want to buy it um, unless I'm sort of forced into it. And it does make your life cramped. It's just this feeling like, oh, I if I had these things, my life would be nicer. And yet somehow there's this reluctance to commit even to little things like fresh fruit, you know, like, yeah, you can you can buy that banana. That is OK. But there's it's this funny thing with underbuyers. I mean, I wonder to help Katie if like she should sort of almost set a project for herself. So it's like. The fresh fruit thing, like once a week I buy fresh fruit and that's just part of my thing. Or I'm going to have set a project to improve my bathroom and that means getting certain new products. And, you know, if she turns it into something she's supposed to do, if it won't just feel like indulging herself, it'll feel like completing her mission. I think that's excellent suggestion. And I also think another thing to think about sort of along the same lines is good tools make work a joy beautiful objects make life richer. I mean, sometimes people are like, stuff doesn't matter. Possessions don't matter. Get rid of everything. You'll be happier. And, you know, in my view, possessions do have an important role to play in a happy life. And for most people, possessions, they allow us to project our identity into our environment. They are reminders of the things that and the people that we love. And you can say something like, oh, buying this silver frame would let me put this photograph on my mantle. And that's going to remind me of this excellent vacation that we went on. And so that's something that's important. Buying these possessions is something that's of value to me in a happier life. It's not that these things have no role to play or that I'm somehow being shallow or a sucker for buying them because they do have an important role to play. You know, if you buy a nice pair of flats and you wear them all the time... That's something that you need. You have to have shoes, you know, you might. So 
they do have an important role to play in a happy life. Yeah, it's funny because I think there's also like a guilt element of it. Like I know if I'm with mom mm-hmm. and she tells me I think you should buy something, mm-hmm. it's like all guilt is removed mm. because my mother thinks I yeah. should. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's a pair of shoes or shampoo, yeah. doesn't matter what it is. If mom thinks I should buy it, yeah. then I'm totally released from any feeling of guilt. Isn't that interesting? Well, maybe she could go with a friend and say, like, do you think it's reasonable for me to get these? And, you know, uh, right, like kind of consult with someone else or maybe even in her own mind. What would this person say? Should I get it or should I not get it? It's funny because I think for underbuyers, we almost need to make rules for buying. Like I used to always think, oh, I need to hold myself back from buying. But then I realized like, no, that's not my problem. That's a problem for some people. It's not a problem for me. And I really need to force myself to buy. Like if I'm in a drugstore, I'm like, here I am in a drugstore. I'm going to buy every single thing I know that we need, even though that goes totally against my grain. Because I'm like, at some point, I'm going to be coming back here for, you know, the, the pain reliever. Get it now even though we do have five left in the bottle. And so it is to remind yourself not purchasing is not a value that you need to um, worry about because it's for an underbuyer, it's sort of the opposite thing. Well, hopefully just us telling Katie, yes, go buy these things will will cause her to do so. And she will have a nice hairbrush and she'll enjoy brushing her hair. Yeah. So thanks, Katie. It was uh, It was great to hear from a fellow underbuyer. Gretch, I love eating sandwiches like a grilled cheese or a peanut butter sandwich is my ideal lunch, but I'm very aware of my carb intake, so oftentimes I avoid sandwiches. Luckily, Hero Bread has remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no-net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus it has protein and fiber. I have been using it to make grilled cheeses, and I use their tortillas to make a cheese quesadilla, and I am in heaven. Hero Bread tastes great, has a terrific texture, and helps you meet your nutrition goals. Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use happier at checkout. That's happier at H-E-R-O dot C-O. So, Elizabeth, it's demerits and gold stars. What's your demerit? Okay, Gretchen, um, this is a closet demerit. As you know, and all of our listeners know, we redid our closets in our bedroom, (laughs) Adam and I. And, okay, one thing, and I, I think I've discussed this too, it really bothers Adam to see clothes on the floor of the uh, closet. Mm. It just presses him to see this. And I have a tendency to have... Um, clothes on the floor of my closet. And this is a problem right now because what we realize in redoing our closet is that new closet doors are very expensive, which we didn't know yeah. when we took ours off. So we've kind of decided, well, let's just try to not have doors and see how that goes. Um, which means Adam can peer into my closet every time, you know, he walks into the bathroom, he sees what's in my closet. So I can't, and I can't close the door. So I really need to not have clothes on the floor for, you know, happy marriage stuff. And that's, but yet I've been having clothes on the floor. I've been doing the floor drobe. <laughs> so do you have a sense of what might help? Well, I think it's going to have to come down to laundry baskets. Um, it's like I have a laundry basket, but it gets full very quickly. 
Um, so I think what I need to do, it's like, to me, it feels like one should have one laundry basket. It doesn't seem like I should have two, but I think what I need to do is identify the problem, as you always say, and put another laundry basket in my closet. And we actually have like seven laundry baskets (laughs) floating around, but they always seem to be filled with stuff like other stuff. Um, so I think I need to liberate a laundry basket and put it in my closet. And sort of say, okay, that's for, you know, divide into whites and darks or something. I don't know. Well, I remember when it back in my very favorite episode, episode 10, when we were cleaning your closet, you had many, many laundry baskets. And I was puzzled by that. <laughs> you, you, you're a person of many laundry baskets. Uh, what about hooks? Have you thought? I, I'm a big fan of hooks. We do have some hooks that we have not yet had put up. So that will help at least with my robe, which right now goes on the floor. Yeah. (laughs) So then I will be hanging the robe. I have to also state this is of utmost importance because we have an infestation in California of a new kind of uh, brown widow spider. And Adam is convinced that (laughs) having clothes on the floor um, creates more spiders. So I really need to get stuff off the floor for my own health as well. But so I never want to be arguing against someone's impulse to clear clutter. But I do have to say that another option, though the spider thing does add a wrinkle to this, is maybe you want to just say that for marital harmony, which is a very, very high value in happiness, that you should just throw money at the problem and buy yourself a closet door. And maybe that's just the quickest, easiest way to solve this, because if what Adam doesn't see, Adam won't worry about infesting (laughs) <laughs> well, it could come to that. We will see. That is, yeah, that's the nuclear option. So we'll see. Um, I'll let you know in a couple of months if we haven't solved the floor drop problem, we'll probably go back to closet doors. Yes. There's always that escape hatch. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, Gretch, uh, what is your gold star this week? So this week, my gold star is related to um, the Try This at Home of Design Your Summer, because as I was saying, I'm obsessed with color. And I talk a lot about how I'm obsessed with color. And as a consequence, so many listeners and readers have so thoughtfully sent me any kind of link or book or uh, video they have stumbled across that deals with the subject of color. And it's wonderful because, first of all, it just it, it kind of enlivens my day. Like I'll see something in Twitter or Facebook or an email will come to me with some really cool blog post or some great BBC video that they did about color. And it's so it just kind of brightens, literally brightens my day because I, I get this stuff. And also because I'm thinking about writing this book, which I will, I'm going to call My Color Pilgrimage. Which I love that title, by the way. I know. I love the word pilgrimage. So I've always wanted to use it. So My Color Pilgrimage. Since I'm, more, I'm, I'm, I'm planning to write this, My Color Pilgrimage, it's kind of like having a research assistant in every mm-hmm. country <laughs> of the world because people are constantly sending me stuff that I would never have stumbled across on my own. And so I so appreciate that people are just constantly feeding me. So I just want to give a gold star to everyone who's taken a few minutes out of their day to shoot me any kind of information about color because it's so much fun for me. It makes me so happy. And it's also very, very useful. I've followed up and learned a lot from all the the resources that people have sent my way. So thank you very much. Keep it coming because I I remain obsessed with color. I remain completely (laughs) unable to choose my signature color, but it's, it's all, I'm thinking about it all the time. Gold star to our listeners. Yes. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. 
design your summer. Let us know what plans you are making for your summer or what's worked for you in past summers to make your summer great. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also thanks to Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, we've said it once, we will say it again. It is super, super helpful to us if you tell a friend, if you subscribe to us on iTunes, if you rate or review us. Also, for the resources for this week, if you love great quotations the way that I do, like the one that I read from Robertson Davies, you can sign up for my free Moment of Happiness newsletter. And every day I will send you a quotation about happiness or human nature. You can email me or you can sign up at happiercast.com slash 118. I'll put a sign up box there. Plus, I have a group of super fans. And from time to time with my super fans, I offer a little bonus or a preview or ask for your help. You can email me or again, you can sign up at happiercast.com slash 118. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Upward.